0: Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Hack to Start, a podcast that focuses on amazing people who have an interesting story or perspective to share and their insights on how they got to the level of success they have today.
1: This is episode 142, and today we'll be chatting with Nick Patrick, the co-founder and CEO of Radar, the location platform for mobile apps. Nick has a background in computer science, but has coupled that with an MBA from Harvard and
0: extensive experience as a product manager at Microsoft and later Foursquare and a startup called
1: Handy. Even though smartphones have been around for the past decade, location is still relatively new and often underused. That's because it's always been a challenge to add location into apps effectively. Nick and his co-founder, Kobe are looking to change this. Radar was recently accepted into Expo Labs and is currently building a location platform for developers aiming to make location as simple as Stripe created payment processing.
0: Nick joins us to share his story, how he got into tech and startups, what it's been like building radar, what it's been like being a part of Expo Labs, how radar is approaching building a developer community, and much more. So, once again, we'd like to welcome you to the show. Feel free to tweet at us at hacktostart, drop us an email hey at hacktostart.com, or share your feedback right on iTunes with a review. Good or bad, we'd love to hear from you. So, let's get started. Hey Nick, thanks so much for being on the show today.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me guys.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We're super excited, uh, you know, to have you share your story and what you're working on with Radar. But before we dive into that, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Like, where are you from and what did you study?
2: Sure. So I'm originally from Bel Air, Maryland, which is a suburb about 30 minutes north of Baltimore. I studied computer science and biology at Duke University. Uh, And then a little later on, I got an MBA at Harvard Business School.
0: That's really cool. And what motivated you to to jump into uh, grabbing an MBA?
2: In undergrad, studied computer science and biology have sort of been into computers and, and interested in tech for a long time. And actually originally when I went to college was, was thinking I would do a PhD in, in computational biology. And it took me a couple of years of doing research to figure out that I kind of hated doing research. And that I was actually much more interested in going into the tech world, possibly starting a company. And so an undergrad had this vague idea that, that I was interested in business. So I was actually lucky enough to find a program to let me apply to HBS early. So I got in it was this program called 2 plus 2, basically got two years deferred admission, graduated from undergrad, got to work at Microsoft for a couple of years doing products. And when those two years were up, went to, went to business school. Uh, I just kind of felt like the right thing to do it at the time and it turned out to be a, a pretty rewarding experience.
0: That's really cool. You'll have to uh, forgive my ignorance, but what's computational biology?
2: Yeah, basically it's applying computers and data science to the field of biology. So, trying to solve really hard problems like protein folding. And it was interesting to me because because I've been passionate about computer science for a while and kind of fell in love with biology in high school and just seemed like an awesome, awesome combo of the two. And you know, still find it super fascinating just just basically found that research wasn't for me, and and, and I would rather just build stuff, uh, which kind of put me on the path that that I'm on today.
0: That's very cool. So you mentioned you know you had this passion for technology and computer science. How did the entrepreneurship piece come about? Is that something that uh, you know you sort of grew up in a household of entrepreneurs, or
2: you know, not really. I think I you know have, have been into computers since since a really young age. I think in middle school built a computer, built built a website, and kind of just liked building things. And, and I think in a way, you know, starting a company is kind of a natural extension of of that. You get to build things. You get to get to apply your passions and in tech uh, and so it was just sort of the natural felt felt like the natural course for me to take given what i was interested in
0: awesome and so you mentioned as well that like you had a chance to do an internship with microsoft so is that how you uh you know kickstarted your career and and if so what was that internship like for you
2: yeah so i actually did two years full-time at microsoft after undergrad and it was an awesome learning experience you know microsoft is obviously a great great company it was very slow moving um, you know, so when I joined, I actually started in the third year of a three-year ship cycle. So this was a product. It was it was Microsoft Dynamics CRM that shipped every three years. And so I, I learned a lot, but I had this desire to basically ship more product faster. And so when I went to business school, I kind of said, Hey, what do I want to do after business school? And for me, I wanted to continue doing products uh, and working in the tech space, but I wanted to you know do it at a company that was a lot smaller, that that moved a lot faster, and was building a product that I loved and, and was excited to work on. That's how I. I ended up at
1: Foursquare. That's an amazing transition going from, you know, the Microsoft world and being around just like an enterprise corporation and then diving into like the startup world with Foursquare. So what was it like working for the team at that point in time?
2: Yeah, this was um, back in 2012. I did an internship be my two years of business school and then had the chance to work there full time for a bit after business school. And, you know, now Foursquare has sort of turned into an enterprise data company. Back then, it was very much a consumer company still. And so it was an awesome experience working on a product that that I just absolutely loved. You know, Foursquare and, and now Swarm is, is still one of my favorite products. Um, and I had the chance to work on business tools and monetization there. So not not the consumer stuff so much, but had a chance to be a part of the team. I think in general, it was it was just a really talented group of people shipping awesome product at at a very fast pace, and had the chance to work under Noah Weiss and, and Alex Raynard, who I, I think are two of the best product thinkers uh, out there today. And so it was it was a really special team to be a part of, and learned a ton from from them during my short time there.
1: That's amazing. So as a product manager, what were some of the projects or teams you had a chance to work on?
2: Yeah, so I worked on business tools and monetization. So so during my internship, uh, my project was to, basically my team built a mobile app for businesses on the platform. We called it the merchant app. Um, basically the idea was if you were a business on Foursquare, you could interact with your customers and manage your presence on Foursquare on, on the go. And then when I came back the next year and joined full-time, I worked on the monetization team on their self-service ads products that had just launched.
1: That's super cool. So fast forward in your time, you know, after Foursquare, you ended up joining another startup called Handy again as a product manager. So can you tell us a bit more about Handy and, and what was it like joining the team there?
2: Yeah, so Handy was also an awesome experience. I was actually lucky enough to meet the co-founders at business school and they ended up starting, it's called Handybook at the time. Um, and I basically joined as the first product person. So it was just after they'd raised their Series A, it was about 30 people and basically had the chance to come in and sort of set up an initial product process and, and culture there. And you know, so I joined when it was 30 people, I think during the year and a half that I was there, it grew from 30 people to like 200 people. And the business grew like 20X in 18 months, which is, is really crazy. And we just got to move super fast and, and I got to see a lot and learn a lot. It was also a lot different from Foursquare in some ways. So Foursquare was very product and engineering driven at the time, whereas Handy was very operations and marketing centric. And so, you know, the, the role of a product manager is, is a bit different in, in those two environments. And so I had to learn to adjust and, and, and how to be most effective in, in a slightly different environment than what I was used to from before.
1: That's really cool. So you've had the chance to work as a product management role in both like small and big companies. So what are some of the insights you can share with others who are looking to become you know, entrepreneurs or aspiring product managers?
2: You know, so I think the most important thing that you need to do as a PM is to prioritize and allocate resources and, and motivate the team to build the right thing at the right time to move the business forward. And, you know, what what that right thing is sort of depends on what the goals of the business are at any given time. It might be to grow really quickly. It might be to improve the product experience. It might be to improve retention. And so you might be working on things that, that are more short, short-term looking. You might be working on things that are more long-term. But again, it's about building the right thing at the right time to move the business forward and and really thinking hard about what to prioritize so that you're having the biggest impact. I think what's been cool is as a PM, you're sort of a mini CEO of your product area. And I think as a CEO, as an entrepreneur, you get to apply a lot of the same principles. Again, it's about prioritizing and allocating resources and and motivating the team and basically doing what you need to do to, to build a business and move the business forward. So I think being a PM is is a lot of fun. I think it's also a great training to uh, be a startup entrepreneur later on in in your career.
0: Absolutely, and that's a great transition. So you ended up building your own startup now. So you're the co-founder and CEO of Radar. So what is Radar and what really motivated you to launch that?
2: So Radar is a location platform for mobile apps. And our goal is to help companies collect, analyze and act on location data. So I started it with my co-founder, Kobe Berman, who actually met at Foursquare way back in the day. So we've been thinking about location for for a while. Part of the inspiration actually came from an experience that I had at Handy. So, you know, we wanted to track where our cleaners and handymen were. We wanted to make their locations available to the operations team, to the customer support team, notify customers when their cleaner was on the way or or when they arrived. We wanted to optimize routes and, and Dispatch jobs. And we basically went down this rabbit hole of figuring out, you know, background location tracking on iOS and Android, figuring out how to do it in an accurate way and also a, a battery efficient way, figuring out how to store all this data, how to analyze it, build dashboards to visualize it. And you know, reflecting on it after the fact, I realized. Hey, when we wanted to do analytics, we just popped in a tool like Mixpanel or or Amplitude. When we wanted to do communications, we just popped in a tool like Twilio, you know, and, and started to wonder why the same thing didn't exist for, for location. So that was, that was part of the initial inspiration for Radar. I think over time, as Kobe and I started working on this full time, and this was about nine months ago at this point. We realized that the platform could apply not just to on-demand use cases like like the one I described, but also to consumer use cases, right? You might be building a shopping app and you want to know when somebody's at a retail store. Um, you might be building a, a travel app and you want to know when somebody lands at the airport or, or when they're in a certain neighborhood where there's interesting content that you can serve them. We realized that it applied not just to background location tracking, which is what we were thinking about, but also to foreground location context. So if you're using a shopping app and you open the app and you're standing in a store, the app experience should be different than if you're not at the store, right? It might show you content or, or, or deals specific to that store and so on and so forth. So started with, you know, the inspiration from my time at Handy and, and some of the perspective that I had from Foursquare, and basically sort of expanded the utility of the platform over time.
0: That's really cool. And like you mentioned, you know, you guys started working on it full time about nine months ago, but have very recently just graduated from a program called Expa. Uh, we had Mike yep. on a few weeks back, who's also part of the program. But can you tell us a little bit more about what Expa is and sort of, you know, your take on the process of getting in and going through that that program?
2: Sure. So Expa is a startup studio that was started by Garrett Camp, who's who's one of the founders of Uber and Naveen, one of the founders of Foursquare. And there's a couple other great partners there as well. And basically they were focused on being a startup studio that would sort of build companies under the Expo umbrella and they would have access to you know, resources and experience and capital that the Expo partners and, and Expo's investors would provide. And so last year Expo decided to start a program called Expo Labs and it was a six month program. They invest 500K. Uh, and basically give you a platform to to start your startup. And so we found out about the first batch right as it was announced. We actually knew a lot of the Expa core team from our time at Foursquare. So Eric Friedman, who runs the Expa Labs program at Expa, used to work with with me and my co-founder at Foursquare. So kind of got introduced to the program that way. And yeah, started last summer and and it was six months long and really just couldn't have imagined a better platform to, to get Radar off the ground. It was just an awesome experience.
0: That's awesome. Can you take us through, I guess, maybe a little bit, not not quite the day by day, but like the week by week of the
2: program, like, you know, some of the challenges you guys had to face or were able to overcome that kind of stuff? So it was six months long. And, and I think initially, you know, I should say like the, the main focus of the program is basically giving you the advice and the resources and the help that you need to, to build, right? So there was some structure involved uh, that was helpful. Um, we would meet with with some of the partners on a weekly basis. We would write and share weekly updates. But really, it was, it was sort of up to us to ask for help when we needed it and just really focus on building the product and getting it out. You know, there, there wasn't like a big YC style demo day at the end, but we did have what was called the final pitch where we had a chance to sort of pitch the latest version of, of what we were working on in our story to the partners. And they gave us great feedback and turned out to be kind of an awesome experience to prep and start thinking about the seed fundraising process.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It sounds that sounds really cool. And so speaking of the seed fundraising process, like what's what, how are you guys approaching that and what's top of mind and sort of that for you?
2: Yeah, so we're not raising right now. I think we're we're likely going to do that a little bit later this year. I, I think for us, we're still pretty early in the game. You know, we officially launched about three weeks ago at this point. Um, and and during our time at Expo Labs, we we had customers, but you know, we were acquiring them super high touch, direct sales, basically reaching out to folks who we thought were were a great fit and finding a few believers that were willing to use the product even in the earliest stages and and give us great feedback. And so we just launched three weeks ago. I think in the future, the bulk of our growth is going to come from self-serve signups. So developers and product people kind of becoming aware of the platform and finding it on their own and and signing up and getting started. Once we're a few months down the road, we'll, we'll, we'll go out and raise.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's really cool. And so I, I want to come back to that in a, in a minute about like building a more of a developer community. But, you know, mm-hmm. given given that you guys just started working on the product, you know, about nine months ago and your experience as a, as a PM in a, in a past life or I guess still still a PM there. I mean, you always wear multiple hats, but how do you approach finding, I guess, the right balance between launching something that's good enough to meet, you know, a, a bare set of, of requirements and sort of a, mm-hmm. your wider vision for the product?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, You know, a lot of times people talk about an MVP and you want to build that MVP and get it out in market and get feedback and and sort of iterate. We were initially very focused on building an enterprise SaaS business. And so there's sort of a gap and and the bar is a bit higher for the latter. So we were still able to build and, and kind of get the, get the product out into market relatively quickly. I think for us, we wanted to build a really open, flexible product that could span a variety of use cases and go out there and get people using it in, in all those different verticals. So, uh, at least to start, we could have focused on, hey, we're just we're just going to focus on travel apps, for example. Um, but we wanted to get it out there and get folks using it, not just for travel apps, but also shopping apps, you know, delivery services, on-demand services, social apps, dating apps, things like that, right? So, we built something simple. We built something that was good enough that we could sort of sell it and put our name behind it and make some guarantees. But we also built something that was very simple and sort of elegantly spanned all those different use cases so that we could get it out there and see, you know, where it was where it was most effective and you know, that, that would allow us to sort of prioritize a bit more tightly in the future.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So earlier, you mentioned that, you know, the biggest driver of growth for you guys, you're thinking in the future is going to be a developer community that ends up adding radar into their apps, just like you'd add Twilio or Stripe as, as you know, like an SDK. So how do you foresee like, you know, approaching building that kind of developer community and becoming that, that go to tool just like Stripe?
2: Yeah, you know, I think developers like products that solve problems for them. They generally like products that are free or, or very affordable with with transparent pricing. They tend to love open source flexible products where they they have a good sense for, hey, this is all the different ways I can use this thing and, and I sort of know what's what's going into this, so I trust it. You know, developers don't tolerate BS. And so, you know, you need to be very sort of direct and honest about what your product can do, what it can't do, how it works. And so we're sort of trying to keep all of these things in mind as, as, as we design the product as we write our documentation and and as we build the community. I think we look at folks like Stripe. You know, Stripe obviously has phenomenal docs. They have open source bindings for all the different platforms they support. Um, You look at companies like Realm, which sort of started as a a free open source tool, built just a really beautiful brand, have done a lot of great content production and content marketing, um, and are now building an enterprise business behind it. And so we we look at all of these great tools who have sort of blazed the trail. Segment is another one that that comes to mind and, and try to take inspiration from. From folks like that
0: absolutely makes a ton of sense so i know the platform just launched and you know you guys have been doing a lot of direct sales and working really closely with customers and and apps where you feel like there could be a really good fit but what have been some of the most uh, effective channels for for growing this type of product so far or some of the early results of working with those companies
2: yeah, I mean, so so we're pretty early stage in terms of actually doing demand gen and, and getting folks to come in that way. I think the way we're gonna approach it is we have some early customers that have done some awesome things that can be turned into case studies, right? And when we write our docs, we're gonna write this sort of flexible clear docs that make it clear how you could use Radar to build against a variety of use cases. But we also wanna build a library of, uh, Stripe actually has this in their docs, they call them recipes, right? If you're gonna build an on-demand app and take payments using Stripe, here's kind of a step-by-step guide how to do it. And so we're gonna build a, a similar library of content. If you're gonna build a delivery service with location tracking powered by radar, how are you gonna do it? And what's an example of a, of a radar customer that's done that uh, well so far? You know, if you're gonna build a a restaurant app where you can do order ahead and you want to open the app and have a different experience in store. Again, we have we have customers who are working on that now and we want to write a case study and write some docs that really illustrate how that can be done. The other thing that I would say too is, you know, part of the reason why we're building radar is because doing location well on on iOS and Android is is really hard and Google and iOS have Google and Apple have have released some some pretty awesome native capabilities but they're still pretty hard to sort of weave together and and use well and so I think there's an opportunity for us to become the the trusted experts on on how to do location well on mobile and build a great library of content around that that's possibly even independent of of radar as a product and as a platform a resource for folks to build great products using location and so we're going to focus on things like that as well
0: Yeah, that's really cool. So location isn't necessarily like a new thing. I mean, like we've all been using apps for a while, but how do you guys see location or the need for location continuing to evolve? And where does Radar fit into
2: that? It's pretty crazy. We're, you know, 10 years into the smartphone era. and We're basically all walking around with GPS tracking devices in our pocket. And yet the the number of apps and services that truly take advantage of location is, is still quite low. And so we believe that every app in the future We'll have some sort of location context or tracking. And we want to be the platform that helps unlock that that opportunity for all.
1: That's amazing. I'm looking forward to following radar through 2017. Awesome. So to shift gears a little bit, and this is the kind of question that I love asking our, our guests on the show is if there was one message or something specific you could tell a younger version of yourself, what would it be?
2: I think for me it would be take more risks and, and put yourself out there more. You know, I'm pretty introverted. I was I was pretty much a follow the rules kind of guy. And I think it wasn't until I got out into you know I was I was kind of the guy who would study super hard and always get straight A's and never go to parties and I sort of started to loosen up a little bit I think once once I went to college started to you know, realize that turns out I'm not the the smartest guy in the room all the time. There's actually lots of, of brilliant people out there. And it's good to be a bit uncomfortable, get knocked down a few pegs, you know, take some risks. And so I, I think for me it would have just been to kind of take more risks and, and put yourself out there even earlier. But I think, you know, working in the tech world, there's so many just brilliant, talented people with great ideas out there hustling. Same thing when you go to go to good universities. And so And just kind of putting yourself out there, taking risks, be willing to get knocked down a few pegs, you know, will will make you a better person in the end.
1: That's a great message. So what were some of the most recent apps that you've really fallen in love with lately?
2: Yeah, you know, around New Year's, I downloaded Duolingo. And originally, you know, just wanted to check out the design, heard it was heard it was a fun app to use. So downloaded it just to play around with it. And next thing I know, I'm on a 50 day Spanish streak. And it turns out that that's probably a better use of my time when I'm just screwing around on my phone than say playing Super Mario Run or something like that, right. So they've managed to take something that you know, I always thought it was kind of tedious in school and turn it into what what feels like a game, make it super accessible, make it kind of a bite-sized activity that, that you can do on the run. And so that's that's been an app that's been really enjoyable for me recently.
1: That's amazing. I, sh- I should pick up Duolingo again and, and put on that challenge. It sounds amazing.
2: Yeah, it's definitely a lot of fun.
1: So what are some of the most recent uh, you know content that you've come across lately that you would recommend to someone either like a blog post, video or uh, a book?
2: yeah, you know, I, I've been trying to consume a lot of politics related content recently. There's obviously lots of interesting things uh, going on in that world right now. Um, another app that I've been using a lot of is is an app called Nuzzle, uh, which I'm sure you guys are familiar with. It basically alerts you to interesting news stories being shared by people you follow on on Facebook and Twitter. And so I've tried to, you know, diversify my news and opinion consumption to kind of span the the full political spectrum. And tools like Nuzzle, you know, watching shows like Meet the Press kind of help me hear all those different, different perspectives. I'm a pretty moderate guy, but I've enjoyed sort of finding tools and finding ways to consume opinion pieces or, or news stories or what have you from across the political spectrum and kind of, you know, try to understand where everybody's coming from in, in what I think is a pretty interesting, turbulent time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's really cool. I I love using a nuzzle. And I think it's, you know, definitely important to go out and seek information from, you know, both both sides of the argument, and at least, you know, to better understand the the conversation that's happening. So on that note, do you have any last thoughts or personal mottos that you live by and you think other people should know about?
2: Uh, You know, when I was in Middle school, my dad one time said to me, Hey Nick, do you want to know what what the secret of life is? And I was like, Yeah, sure, dad, whatever. And he said it's it's to enjoy the passage of time. And I think at the time I thought that was, you know, was like, all right, dad, whatever. I, I don't know. But I think what I realized over time is, you know, whether you're working on a company and you know, you're you're stressed out or things are going really well, whether you're studying something in school or you're traveling, at the end of the day, you kind of just have to enjoy the journey and live a little bit and, and, and loosen up and have a good time. And so that, that little phrase that my dad gave me a long time ago, turns out to be something that, that I've actually come to understand a lot more over time and, and try to apply to just, you know, the way I approach work and, and, and my personal life, just enjoy the passage of time, enjoy the ride. Things can be a bit stressful when you're, when you're building a company or, or working in the tech world. And I think it's really important to just make sure that you're, you're enjoying things as, as you go through the experience
0: yeah absolutely it's a great way to uh to look at it and uh now i can say that i officially know the the secret uh to to the meaning of life it's at least one of them definitely nick thanks so much for taking the time to be on the show today man really appreciated uh
2: having you on thank you guys it was it was a lot of fun
0: That's another episode of Hack to Start. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again soon. Remember to check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, as well as on the web at hacktostart.com. We honestly couldn't do this show without your awesome support, so if you like what you heard, feel free to share it on Twitter, or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again, and until next week.